What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and S podcast, episode 26. We're recording this on a Friday, November 22nd. Um, we got a packed show. Mostly we're going to focus on the Celtics to start off. Probably later on in the show, we get into some college basketball. Um, get into all the games that happened in the past week and, you know, and probably a little bit, a uh, little bit into uh, last week. And then um, probably to conclude the show, we'll probably get in um, uh, some, some brief high school news, or, uh, commitments and stuff like that. Nothing too major with that. But so yeah, so we'll get it started. Um, the Celtics, um, they're looking good right now. Um, they're on that West Coast road trip. They're going to conclude it tonight as they face off against the Denver Nuggets. Um, they face off. Uh, that'll probably be the last uh, last game of the road trip. So. Like I said, they they like I said they've been. I would say it's been a, so far. It's been a somewhat successful road trip. Um, they obviously lost that heartbreaker against the Clippers in OT the other night. It was probably an probably the the best game I've seen in a long time. That was an unbelievable game from start to finish. Um, a lot of you know back and forth games. A lot of back and forth games that were just. Um, I mean, back and forth possessions, you know, a lot of lead changes and stuff. Um, the defense was unbelievable on both sides. Both teams played good defense. Or it depends on how you look at it. You could say it was pretty, it was bad offense or bad shooting. I mean, I know the Celtics shot the, you know, the three-point line poorly and started that game. They were 0 for 16 to start that game. And they had pretty good looks out there. So it's not like they had poor looks. They just shot the ball poorly. So I mean, the other way you can look at it, you could say it's good defense, it's it's bad offense. But I, either way, I felt like overall, you've seen a lot of good defensive plays throughout the game. You've seen a lot of good offensive plays during the game. So it was a little bit of both. I thought early on, I thought you know both teams tend to press, but also I thought the Celtics kind of really established themselves as being one of the better defensive teams in the league. I thought they really set the tone early on in that game. Made things tough on you know, on Kawhi and Paul George. Um, it was it was not easy for the Clippers to get themselves going. It took them probably the second half till they started to kind of, you know, get themselves in a, in a position to make a run in that third quarter. But then the Celtics, you know, they stayed steady, and as far as I know, they they were able to get um, they were able to get like eight almost 10 point lead in that in that fourth quarter they were in position to win that game with six minutes left and then everything just fell apart um the clippers you know responded with a 10-0 run um pat patrick beverly was big time in this game had a, a had like i believe he hit like four threes in the game at crucial times and they were timely uh harrell was good i thought he played good defense out there he was physical a physical presence 
made things tough for the Celtics later in that game to really score inside. I thought the Clippers did a good job of shutting down the paint um, in the second half. The first half, obviously, the Celtics got what they wanted. I mean, for them to be over in 16 and be still in that game was remarkable. It's because they were able to score so well inside. Um, You got guys like, obviously, Tatum had a big game. Um, Marcus Smart really had uh, really made a lot of impact plays throughout the game. I thought he was probably maybe the few guys that could get inside early on was Smart and Tatum. And, you know, Tice played well. I thought Tice had a huge game. He had 14 rebounds. He he was definitely impressive. Ennis Cantor showed a little post game early in the game as well. He was able to, you know, score, you know, against, you know, a, a fairly small Clippers uh, front line. Besides uh, uh, Zubak, they really don't have much size. And they and like the Celtics, they like to play small. Doc Rivers likes to play small ball as well, like Brad Stevens. So they're very similar in that aspect. Both Brad Stevens and Doc prefer to play small, smaller lineups. The lineup that they closed with was Montrez Harrell to, to put themselves in a position to almost win that game until... You know, obviously we know the heroics of Jason Tatum with that last section shot, but you know, the closing lineup was Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and uh trying to think who the other guy was. Yeah, Pat Hold on, hold on, I'm trying to think. Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Montrez Harrell, and I can't I'm freezing up on the last guy, but those are the main oh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams was the last guy, and I thought Lou Williams had a huge game as well. I, he made a bunch of timely shots. Um, and, you know, obviously Jason Tatum knocked that shot down in the fourth quarter to put them, put the game into OT because the Clippers uh, were just outstanding in those last five minutes of the game. And Tatum and, and Marcus Smart had a lot of impact plays as well, but he did shoot poorly. That was probably the... The only knock about Marcus Smart's game, I thought he did everything else but shoot the ball well. And the Clippers clearly took advantage of that and was able to really make that run late in that fourth quarter. And then when they went to OT, it was it was a total different story. Clippers, I mean, I felt like the Celtics uh, controlled the game for the most part. It was pretty much their pace. You know, Clippers, they're a team that scored 140, 150 points. A few games this year, I thought the Celtics played at their pace. They played a defensive-minded game, and it showed as they, you know, it took both teams to get it into OT to score in the hundreds. It was an unbelievable defensive game overall. You know, besides you know the poor shooting, I thought overall defensively it was fairly well played. But to get back to my previous point. The Celtics just, it was tough for them to really close this out. And then obviously in, in OT, the Clippers just showed it, you know, you know, by having, you know, the, the two best players on the floor, it made all the difference in the world. Paul George hit a couple threes in that OT. Kawhi Leonard got that huge dunk on Tice. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was in the fourth quarter. But just a lot of those impact plays made really turned the momentum in the game because the Celtics really had the momentum at that six-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And I felt like after that six-minute mark, the Clippers never looked back. 
they they took that lead and they were able to take that momentum into overtime and that was the difference in the game. So so that's how how that ended. If you go back maybe a couple of days before that, there was a back to back. Um, obviously, the Celtics had a 10-game winning streak coming into this road trip, or at least coming into the Sacramento game, the Sacramento Kings game, which was on Sunday. They lost that game. Uh, Buddy Hill went off in that game, had a huge game, had like 35. Um, that was a that was a loss that really was a loss that you're going to regret later on in the year because, you know, the Kings were shorthanded in that game. They didn't have Marvin Bagley, didn't have De'Aaron Fox, and they still was not able to win that game. And that's going to that's gonna bite them bite them in the butt later on in the year when they're looking for, you know, wins against teams where they should have they won. That's probably the only game this year that I could say that it was a game that they lost that they shouldn't have lost. They were cl- clearly the better team, and they kind of were sleepwalking in that game, especially early in the game. It's, it's Celtics continue to have slow starts, and that's been the MO with this team so far. They're, they have slow starts in the first half, and then the second half they explode, you know, to the point that they're like nearly like best in the NBA in scoring in the second half because they literally put up mostly all their effort and, you know, all their, you know, pretty much – their rhythm, you know, their shooting and everything, their defense, their energy picks up in the second half, and they end up blowing teams, either blowing teams out or, or winning close games. That if they were behind in those in those games, so that's been a trend that they they're gonna eventually have to break that trend. You know, they're gonna have to start early in games and get better starts. But that bit them in the butt in the Sacramento game, and they end up losing because of that. But they Celtics, you know, showed some resolve. Next game, back to backs, uh, the the back end of the back to back, they face off against you know Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they took care of business. It was another slow start, especially from Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker has kind of had a, 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 I wouldn't say he's had the best road trip. I would say, you know, he's had his moments, but he still continues to struggle in the first half of games. He's gonna have to get that. Um, get that, you know, get that solved because that's, I mean, as a leader of the team, I think that's the reason why the whole team has slow starts because he has slow starts. He's got to break that habit if they want to, you know, they don't want to fall behind, especially with good, when you're playing against good teams, you don't want to fall behind, you know, early in games and have to, you know, climb your way back. That's just a bad habit to have. And I think it all starts with Kimba. Kimba's had to he has to be a little bit better early in games. And I mean obviously he struggled in the Phoenix game, but I thought once again, guys like Brad Wanamaker, the bench, I thought the bench was crucial. Grant Williams did not play in the Sacramento Kings game, but he played in the Phoenix Suns game and it made all the difference in the world. This guy's been pretty good at just making an impact defensively. Um, his plus minus is through the roof because of his defensive impact. He doesn't score. He, he's, I mean, he, he can't shoot if his life depends on it, but he still continues to find a way to get to loose balls, play good defense, always in the right position defensively. I thought he showed a ton of that in the Clippers game as well. I thought 
the biggest, probably the biggest mistake that Brad could do um, was not play him in the Sacramento game. I know he probably had a DMP in a previous game before that. So maybe he thought he could settle with, you know, having a rotation without him. But I feel like it's important to have him in the rotation because it really helps the defense out. And I think Brad Stevens, he kind of following my advice. I, I think I mentioned, in the, I believe, in the last podcast that I, I think it's smart to have Grant Williams play the four with either Robert Williams or Tice or even Canner, too. I haven't seen that lineup yet. They should probably, you know, consider playing him with Canner at times as well. But that might happen during the year, sometime during the year. But I think just think once you have that lineup with him, um, you know, mix, mix and match with uh, Grant Williams with Tice and, and Robert Williams or even – well, I mean, either way, either way, this gonna it's you know Brad playing him at the four is why the defense is better. The rebounding is better overall. Like that, just it's just a much more um, that lineup has so much synergy to it and so much chemistry with those you know with those bigs. And I just I just thought it was a bad idea to have Grant Williams play the five. It was just you made you made. You made your team a lot more small than you needed it to be. So I'm glad Brad has made that adjustment, and it's it's been working. The defense has really been really good. And plus you have to, you know, you might probably see Tatum in that lineup, and it makes you even more of a bigger front line because Tatum, you know, we all know he stands at 6'8", has long arms and everything, very good on the glass as well. So that helps the rebounding as well. So... So I mean, yeah, the, I mean, Celtics got a lot of weapons. We like to see how all, how it all shapes up when Hayward comes back, but they got a ton of weapons. The defensive versatility is probably the best in the NBA. It showed in the Clippers game. But yeah, like, but like I said, going back to the Phoenix Suns game, um, they were able to take care of business and they won that game. Um, I believe the score was 99-85. Devin Booker had a had a tough game. I thought Marcus Smart defense was really brilliant in that game as well. So, so now we you know wait couple couple I would say about an hour and a half until the tip off to the last game of the road trip against the Nuggets. Um, a quick preview on that. Um, Jamal Murray. They have to make sure they defend him because last year he went off. He had a 40-point night. They can't let that happen again. Um, obviously, the you know the guy that's been big time so far in this road trip, Marcus Smart, expect him to be you know blanking him all game long. Um, Jalen Brown probably will do the same. Um, yeah, I mean, then obviously, who's going to guard Jokic? Um, I'll probably see Tice. You'll see Tice on him. Obviously, Tice will be starting. But you'll see probably Grant Williams on him because I think Grant Williams can defend the post well. You might see Canner on him as well, which I feel like the only issue with Canner's defense so far, I've, I've been impressed with Canner's defense. We'll have to see how it's going to go throughout the year. But as far as I know, the only, you know, probably weakness – about his defense is probably his pick and roll defense. Pick and roll defense is 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 probably what he he definitely lacks. But I think 
you know, overall guarding the post. I thought he played. I thought he guarded Embiid pretty well in the, in the in the first game, and there was times I believe he was believe he was guarding Harrow in the post. You know, in the last game against Clippers, held his own in that in that area as well. Obviously, we all know that Harrell's not the most pure post player, but you know he can score down there here and there. And then he, I think he played a uh, played a few possessions against Zubak, and I thought he played well against Zubak as well. So, like I said, I think the Celtics got a ton of weapons. We learned a lot about them in this game. Win, win or loss, we I mean to just be in that game, which I think a lot of people were counting them out that it probably would have been something like similar to what the Philly game was. They've shown a lot of progress over that game. I mean, since opening night, this team has been rolling. You know, don't, you know, obviously they've had two losses this past week, but they're still playing great basketball. They're still in these games. They're still close. Even though they have slow starts, their defense is good enough to to withstand those slow starts and keep them in in the game, which is which is crucial to their success is, is you know, defense, when we all say defense wins championships, and I think this team has probably one of the best defenses in the league just because of their versatility. They can switch everything. They're, they don't never have a guy that they can pick on. Maybe Kimball Walker is the one guy you probably can pick on, but I think Kimball Walker competes out there. He knows how to um, take charges, so he's not no slouch. Like, he actually can be a reasonably good defender. I think he's better defender than Kyrie Irving, to be honest with you. I think he shows a little bit more effort on that end of the floor, where Kyrie will kind of slouch on that end of the floor. So, overall, um, you're seeing a lot of good things. I can't wait to see what happens tonight. Obviously, I got a lot going on. Obviously, my personal life, I um, I'm moving day is tomorrow. I'm moving into my new apartment. So, I have to do a lot of... Uh, packing tonight to prepare for that but I will be having the game on the background so I'm going to be excited to see how this team responds after a tough loss see if they can close out this road trip you know with a strong note but but yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a break we're gonna get into a little bit of college basketball in the next segment all right, you listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. This is your host, Rob Morris. We'll be right back.